Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get get started. It's funny because a lot of our Moonlighting community have mentioned that too in our groups, so it's it's a common yes. little saying that we say, and we, only we know what we're talking about. Yeah, and so it, it's also funny because he's talking about the gossip, and they're like acting they're, like they're above it. I think they say Jane Polly's having David Hartman's baby, and then Maddie's like, "Is she?" So it's like they also buying into the gossip, <laughs> yeah. and it's pretty funny because Jane Polly and David Hartman interview Sybil and Bruce. Yeah, there are interviews on YouTube that you can go watch right now. One with Jane Pauley and one with David Hartman mm-hmm. from Good Morning America at that time. This is where the show gets very mixed between reality and the characters and all of that stuff. Because what's happening in real life, Bruce and Sybil being interviewed by these two, they're mentioning them on the show. And then the, the Dr. Karen reference for stress, of course, that's about Glenn Gordon Karen, the creator, insider jokes. I really think it's a good thing that they did that. I really find the self-deprecating remarks really endearing. Um, it just shows a bit of transparency that they're not afraid to make fun of themselves, including things that articles have said about them. You know what? Yeah. Throw it in. Throw it in. It's a bit of breaking the fourth wall without them like looking directly at the camera, but referencing things that are happening in the mm. real world that are being said about the show. Because it was well documented at the time that there was stress on the set. It's like answering back to those gossips and the rumors. It's so funny. I just think that scene's hilarious. Yeah, it's really good. Joel Polis, who played Frank Harbert, he is still working. There's something called Dead Wrong, which is in post-production. So he's still a working actor, which is excellent. I can't find anything before 85. So he did Moonlighting. He was on Cheers, Law and Order, Picket Fences. Oh, he was on Ally McBeal. CSI, NCIS, and there was something interesting I found out about him. Oh, yeah. For all the Seinfeld fans out there, he was in Seinfeld. So in his appearance on Seinfeld in 1989, he plays Riley, a wisecracking co-worker of George Costanza, who picks on him for stuffing himself with shrimp during a staff meeting. (laughs) Yeah, so humiliated, George develops his The Jerk Store Called comeback line to use against Riley. 
The jerk store called became a phrase used in popular media to describe an idiot and the jerk store grunt sound was used in the video game Halo 3 in 2007. (laughs) So so if you're looking at him and you're thinking, I know his face and you're a Seinfeld fan, that's where you know him from. How funny. Okay, so somebody mentions Mrs. Wiley, so she comes out and the Barbara Wiley music begins again. So she gets in the taxi they're at the front of the Ambassador Hotel and I've never seen a taxi come up so quickly after you whistle. But anyway, um, so they get in the taxi and offer the taxi driver 50 bucks if they keep the ex- the other taxi driver in view. What do you think about their conversation in the car? A few things about their conversation in the car. Well, first of all, beyond conversation, how close they're sitting. Yes. So his shoulder is on her shoulder and yeah. they're sitting close in the middle of the car as opposed to sitting at opposite ends of the car with a seatbelt on. Right. I mean, who do you ever sit that close to in a car, even if you are with your significant other? (laughs) Yeah, I think obviously it was for technical reasons. The camera was at the front of the car, and if they were on each side, they would have had to do a wide shot, which I'm assuming would have been quite difficult in such a confined space. Yeah. In this scene, it really shows how David knows her so well that he knows that there's something on her mind, there's something wrong. And, you know, she believes Barbara Wiley. She believes that, you know what, she had nothing to do with this. It wasn't her that showed up in her office. Yeah, he's very in tune with her. Mm. You've got something on your mind, haven't you? Um, With Judith Hanson, her career began in 1975 and um, she was in St. Elsewhere in 82. She played Barbara Wiley in Moonlighting in 85. And from 1985 to 86, she played Celeste Patterson on Hill Street Blues. Now, I'm in the process of watching Hill Street Blues and I have not reached her character yet, so I'm looking forward to that because I'm looking forward to see what she looks like. I know. Because yes. if you go on IMDb and all that, there's no picture of her, not that I've Googled her image on Google, uh-huh. but, yeah, that would have been an interesting part for her to play by not showing her face but for her to act with her eyes. Yeah, and I'll be looking forward to you sending me a picture of her. I sure will. Yeah. When they're following the other taxi and Barbara Wiley gets out of the taxi to get into her car, is that a New York accent that comes out of Bruce? I think it comes out of him a few times during this episode. I thought so, yeah, because he goes, look at this, something like that. Real Barracuda. Yeah, Barracuda comes up again in another episode. Yeah, that was in um, Read the Mind, See the Movie. I feel like a little seafood. And also another one. It's also mentioned in Take My Wife, for example, which guest starred Colleen Dewhurst. Yeah, she's a real barracuda, yeah. Later, later, later. Uh, Yes, you're right. I hear Bruce's accent, um, New Jersey, New York accent, a few times. And the funny thing is also when he was watching Atomic, he said, oh, that's Hoboken coming out of me. So he even said that his accent was noticeable in these episodes. So Barbara Wiley parks her car and it's a really good camera shot here. It's definitely a crane shot. She gets out of the car and the camera lifts up and moves and follows her down towards the park. And then there's a cut from the other side of her walking towards the camera with the gentleman, the same gentleman that's jogging in the previous scene. So that was good editing there. 
I just felt a lot of this was possibly filler. You know, they show a lot of her walking, Barbara Wiley's walking, they show her feet, then they show her back, then they show her coming towards the camera. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if they used this to fill the episode if it was short. Maybe, but I think that there's, they're really trying to show how this person is walking, that they really think this is her, not him. You know, so I think they're trying to make a point of like David sees the wiggle, finds her attractive because doesn't he say something like she's got quite a chassis on her or something like that? She's got quite a chassis under that hood. Yeah, right. So David's noticing the figure. You know, it's all this like trying to confuse the audience. Is this is this Mrs. Wiley or Mr. Wiley? Like, which one are we looking at? Who's involved? You know, who's done this murder? Who's setting us up? So I think it was more that in my view. Now, let me talk about this location, Hollenbeck Park, because guess what, Grace? I visited here. Oh, lovely. It looks like a lovely park. So it's okay. It's maybe not in the greatest location. You can kind of see by the graffiti around. I wouldn't say it's unsafe, but I wouldn't say it's in the best part of town. Let's put it that way. Diana, our guest a few episodes ago, she and I visited this location together, actually. Right, Diana? Hello out there. And the funny thing is, so this is one thing that cracks me up about these moonlighting locations all these years later. All these years later, Grace, this park is exactly the same. (laughs) Exactly the same. Those weird staircases up and down, some of the graffiti that, you know, the little house thing that Barbara Wiley walks into and drops the gun from, it's there. The water, all of it, just exactly the same. It's really interesting. I just amazing. I've got here in my addresses that it's, Hollenbeck Park, 1250 North Hollenbeck Avenue, Covina, California. Yeah, I don't remember what city we went to, but we did drive out there. Yeah, it was fun to see. Any Moonlighting fans, if you're in LA, take a drive out to Hollenbeck Park. What I found interesting was she walks under this tunnel and then the taxi is below. And this is where I think you see a snippet of that there's something wrong because I think Barbara, well, let's call her Barbara, as the taxi's going around in front of her, she stops a little bit and notices it. It's like she was happy that they were following her, which obviously you find out later. I don't know if you notice that she sort of looks for a split second, looks at the taxi and knows it's there. You do get a sense that uh, she wants to be seen. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, this is what I noticed about this scene. There's a lot of cuts in this scene, a lot. So... I really believe that it's Judith Hansen walking around, but obviously we're meant to believe that it's Dennis Christopher, okay? Yes. Now, because she has a beautiful figure, oh, my God, let's not forget to say that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a scene when she crosses the bridge and she starts walking on the other side of the river. Yeah. And it's the scene where she walks past this lady touching her toes. Yeah, stretching or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's not her. It's somebody else. The posture and the walking is wrong. I don't know what it is with me knowing how people walk without their without their high heels on. But um, (laughs) if you have another look, you can just tell by the posture and how they're walking. All right. So they had a stunt double or something like that. Yes. Maybe they had him doing half of it, her doing half of it. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's a really good scene how they follow her all the way. She gets to that little gazebo thing and she drops the gun in the water. And it's a really good ending with the music, ending with the ripples in the water. Yes. And then Maddie and David are back in the taxi, shoulder to shoulder. David asks the taxi to wait so they can watch her walk in, I guess, huh? 
Yeah, just to make sure to see where she goes. And this is where Maddie's really disappointed. She goes, oh, well, I guess that's it. She is guilty. You know, we finally got a client of her own free will, a case we can solve, a fee we can earn. So they get out of the car and try and find their car. But then Maddie notices that she's coming back out. Yes. So it's like Mr. Wiley's gone in for their benefit to say, well, going back in, not thinking that they would wait around for him to walk back out. And then David says, where'd the wiggle go? He notices that she's walking different, like Mm. you, Grace. Indeed. And then David takes Maddie's arm and they follow the lady in the iron mask down into the dark alley way or side of the building or whatever it was. It's dark anyway. I love this little scene with Maddie and David, don't you? It's so good. So good. And I find it amazing how intelligent he is to know where the room is from the outside. Yeah. That would take me ages to try and work out. Yeah. David's a good detective, so he figured it out. Now, there's a lot of this, him taking Maddie by the arm, taking her hand, leading her around, and her saying, what do we do now? What are we going to do? What are we doing here? And also, he is whistling the Bugs Bunny theme, which is repeated in the series. But yes, a lot of hand-holding, a lot of arm-holding, a lot of Maddie, like, David, what do we do now? Kind of questions. For every action, there's an opposite satisfaction or something. (laughs) You can't get pregnant from a toilet seat. (laughs) (laughs) And Grace, sorry, but again, how close are they sitting? I mean, by the end of that scene, when they're looking at at, uh, him through the window and, you know, it's revealed that it was Mr. Wiley and all that, they're like on each other's laps, honestly. Like, okay, I get for like framing, you might need people to sit close together, but other shows, people don't sit this close together in other shows. They're so hunched together. Very interesting. I suppose it's what the fans wanted to see. And Mm. without getting them to get it on, they thought, well, let's put them close together. (laughs) Yeah. Write it down, Grace. This is the question we need answered later. Okay. Why were they always so close together? Was that intentional? Was that the actor's choice? Was that the director? Was that in the script? You know, something like that. They're unbelievably hunched together. You know, it's just... As a fan, of course, that's what we want. You know, it's cute. I think that's a good question for Glenn. I think so. The way he, he's looking at Maddie when he says about, about the equal yeah. satisfaction, it's like it's, he's totally checking her out and she is totally ignoring him. Like she knows his behaviour. It's crazy. So the light goes on. Barbara Wiley, they think it's Barbara Wiley, is standing there, uh, put the TV on. She's in a different room, goes to get a beer, because she can't drink with the mask on, she takes her mask off and then they realise that it's Benjamin Wiley. Yes. Now, why is he in a different room? Did he have a different room the whole time? Maybe he needed a different room to put on his outfit. Otherwise, the wife would know, the wife would see that he was dressing up as her and all that. That's very true, Shauna. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. (laughs) because i couldn't work that out why he's got another room but you're right yes he would have to get dressed in a different hotel room i think it's funny when he whips off the mask they're like it's him and then he's doing everything masculine he's like sucking down a beer and i think there's like wrestling on the television and you know his movements are very like masculine and abrupt very clearly not a woman so Dennis Christopher is a long-standing actor and I can understand why he had a special guest star status. 
Yeah. His career begins back in 1967. He was in the Time Tunnel series and it was Merlin the Magician, but he was unaccredited for that. But, you know, you've got to start somewhere, don't you? So he's been in many things. He was in the series Profiler. used to love that series uh, from 1996 to 99. Oh, he was also in Six Feet Under, Shauna. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah, 2003. He was in Nobody Sleeps playing Kevin Lamb. He was in Law and Order Criminal Intent, NYPD Blue, Deadwood, CSI. So it looks like the last thing he did was Graves, which was a um, TV series, and he played Martin Treadwell. Um, but that was in 2016, and that was the last thing he did. So okay. fairly recent. Yeah, so uh, definitely a great actor and played the part very well, and it was a good get to get him. Yeah. And by the way, I wanted to say, yes, when David is checking Maddie out, and she is ignoring him, but she kind of likes it. You know, she's letting him check her out. You know, he, yeah. she knows. She's not complaining about it. No, she knows what he's up to. They're back in the office and she's pacing bad. And she's realized that it's Benjamin Wiley all along and he wanted them to follow him. And he used us for a couple of patsies. Now she's mad. I like how it kind of goes back and forth. Like the pendulum swings, like David's pissed off, you know, and then like Maddie's pissed off and like they're both working through this case together. There's a lot of like high emotions going on. David acts like a coach. 99, 100. Now give me 10 good minutes on a speed bag and hit the shower slugger. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know, it's funny. So funny. He's trying to keep it light because he doesn't like an angry Maddie now. You know what happens when Maddie gets angry? He might end up getting slapped or something. Because <laughs> she can get violent. But um, if she's not getting violent with him, this is another thing that she does. She belittles him. And like, there's a lot of dumb David. And this scene is definitely, you have stupid ideas and the whole springs to mind, springs to what? You know, there's a a lot of that moonlighting that you're dumb. You can't think. You don't have a brain. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what David says in the straight poop. He goes, doing something crazy. I think she thinks I'm stupid. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of times that she basically is just calling him stupid, you know? Mm. So this part I'm not quite sure of. David suggests to go to Barbara Wiley's room to get the key Mm -hmm. to Benjamin's room. Yeah. But what makes him think the key is going to be in there? Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't quite get that part. Yeah. We need a black dress and a veil for Maddie. And, of course, she gets upset how, well, you're always involving me in this stuff and I'm better off in business by myself. (gasps) Oh, dear, that was a bad thing to say. Yes, she really hurt David. His face. Yeah. And then he says, you really don't want to be partners with me, do you? It's like, yeah, he's feeling a little bit defeated. Like, I'm always, always, always talking this woman into, like, being a partner with me, to sticking in this business with me, to, like, working with me. Mm. And I think he's feeling defeated. Like, you really don't want to be partners with me, do you? This comes up over and over again in the early seasons. You know? Yeah. She's mean. Yeah, they have a big argument and decide to go separate ways to solve the case. Okay, as a viewer, as a viewer of this episode many times, I love this argument. It's classic moonlighting. It's a good Maddie and David argument and all of that. I think it's a little bit staged. The movements are a little bit staged. Like, I'll move here and you move there. I'll stand here and you stand there. More so than, like, later seasons, I think it's more natural. Did you ever, like, notice that or get a sense of that? How it's a little bit like she's standing there and he's kind of standing right behind her and It's a little bit of like a play or something, how it's staged. What I noticed, one particular cut is where 
Maddie is sitting there. The camera does not move. Maddie's ah. sitting there. She gets up. The camera stays on the chair and David sits down. Yeah. That yeah, was something good. different that I don't think previous directors would have done. Yeah. Yeah, there's things I like about it and there's some things, you know, at one point she's kind of standing looking a bit off camera and he's standing kind of like very, you know, sternly like right behind her. I don't know. It's just, it looks very like thought out. It looks a little yeah. bit too and the scene where she's sitting there and he's on the couch, I found that an unusual angle too. That's not normally done. But you can always tell when it's a different director. They just have a different vision. Yeah. This director, is this the only episode that he ever, I don't recognize his name. It doesn't come up too often. Did he direct other episodes? Do we know? Looking at all the list of episodes, looks like it's the only episode Christopher Leach directed. Yeah. He's not listed in any other episodes. So. Yeah, he wasn't like a director that was invited back over and over again. So who knows why? That's all right. So this fight, we kind of need this fight to set up the rest of the episode, which is them going their separate ways to solve the case, which they do in other episodes. You know, sometimes it comes to a point where it's like, you do it your way, I'll do it mine, um, because they can't agree. So yeah, this argument leads us to them going, you wrap it up your way and I'll wrap it up mine, which leads us to which we need, you know, for the following scenes. All has a purpose. So yeah, so they decide to solve the cases, you know, in their own way. And their own way is to do pretty much what David suggested, which was to dress up like Barbara Wiley and get into that hotel room to kind of like figure out what's really going on. The really good scenes at the reception desk. Oh, yes. There's Bruce is hilarious here. Nice caboose, toots. <laughs> the guy gets punched. Yeah, and that gentleman is Howard Mann, and he is actually in another episode. Oh, really? Yes, Which he one? is. Um, or is this trivia? No, 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 it's not trivia. He was in Sam and Dave. David's drunk, and Sam goes into the petrol station to pay for the petrol. The service station attendant is this gentleman. Ah, okay, how funny. It's somebody out there using your friend as a butter churn. <laughs> the, the tall guy, another tall guy that's like had saved by his ankles. Mm. That's funny. Yep, I know who you're talking about. I never seen. And also, I forgot to mention that little girl that's at the church. It looks like that's the only piece of acting she did. So, unless she was related to somebody on set, yeah, or used maybe, her. Maybe worked on the worked at the location, or was someone's child at the location, or something. Who knows? What's her name? Her name is Angelica Torres. Okay. For one and only. Well, good job, Angelica. You're going to be on one show. Moonlighting would be the one. (laughs) That's correct. All right. So Maddie turns up to the hotel desk, reception desk, gets the key. And that's when David comes out of the elevator and the guy says, nice caboose towards It's hilarious. David gets his key. And it's interesting how the clerk says to Maddie, oh, I like your hair better this way, Mrs. Wiley. I don't know if anybody recognised Paul Wilson, but he is the first hotel clerk when Maddie goes up to reception to get the key. And for all the Cheers fans out there, you would recognise him as Paul. He had a recurring role as Paul in Cheers. He actually appeared on Cheers in 1982 during its first season as Tom. But then he came back as a different character. So if anybody recognises him, that's where he is from. Yes. Uh, Now, when David gets his key, 
I yeah. don't know if anybody recognizes this gentleman. His name is Jim Dugan, and I always remember him from The Mask with Jim Carrey. He's, yes, I recognize his face. Yeah, yeah, he plays Doyle. Yeah, Bruce is funny, you know, he really plays up. He still keeps his pinky ring on when he's, you know, dressed as Barbara Wiley. How he's like, you know, gesturing. He can't speak because he doesn't have a high voice. So he's gesturing, you know, using his movements, putting his hand on his hip, kind of swaying his hips and things like that. You know? <laughs> he's really good at it's that. All, yeah, a lot of comedy, um, you know, and how he's ringing the bell and playing with the guy about how he wants to relay what his room number is. Really funny there, I thought. Yeah. Oh, that's what I wanted to say about that guy. Sorry, going back to Jim Dugan. It's funny how this episode is the lady in the iron mask and he was in the mask. Oh, yeah. And there's a, a movie, when I looked this up on IMDb, there's a movie that's titled The Lady in the Iron Mask. Yeah, so it's a reference to the movie The Man in the Iron Mask, which was made in 1939, which starred Lewis Howard and Joan Bennett. But it's been revised so many times. It was a TV movie in 1977 with Richard Chamberlain and Patrick McGowan. I love Patrick McGowan. He was in Colombo a lot too. And then in 1998 with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jeremy Irons. Oh, okay. And someone on um, IMDb trivia put that there was a real life, a real life case like this where um, a man threw acid in a woman's face and they ended up getting married later. And this happened in real life. So it's not so far fetched. Yes, I did read that as well. Yes. The Tugans, or I can't remember their names. But yeah, anyway. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I really like how Maddie's already in the apartment. She hears David come in, but you don't see this part, and she gets in the closet. He yeah. walks in, looks around, looks at the wedding photo with the veil covering her face, goes in the closet, and, of course, you know. That was not <laughs> That's Glenn to me. That's Glenn. <laughs> and David's face, when he looks at the photo where the veil is totally covering the face. <laughs> That's so good what are you doing here what are you doing here you know and what do you look better than me I know why do you look better than me and I really like the part where they hear somebody at the door and (laughs) she goes to cover his mouth he goes to cover her mouth but of course her veil falls down and she has to put it back up and cover his mouth again so I don't think the veil was scripted (laughs) I think the veil was misbehaving a little bit yeah We hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting the podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com slash people slash moonpod2016. Now, this is a scene that I'll rewind it while I'm watching it and and I'll watch it again and again and again. I'll watch it like two or three times because a lot happens right there. It's like he covers her mouth. She goes to cover his mouth but hits him in the eye. Do you notice that? And then like the first time she kind of has her hand open and like her hand goes over his face and kind of hits him in the eye, but he kind of just reacts, but tries to stay in character, but then her veil falls down. So she's got to pull her hand away, put the veil up and then like pop her hand over his mouth again. He's kind of like, it's all, (laughs) it's just funny to watch. Yeah. Watch it again. There's a lot of out of character things happening here. Pretty sure she wasn't supposed to hit him in the eye. He, you know, tries not to react to it. Her veil falls down. She has to cover his mouth again. You know, yeah, she's a little rough with it. It's kind of funny. So, I, yes, I, that's the scene that I will I'll rewind like two or three times and just watch that one part. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great how they just kept it in. That's what I like. It's almost like it could be in the goofs. Yeah. 
So who comes in next? Barbara Wiley, right? Well, Barbara Wiley, but it's actually him. Okay. He Mm. comes in next. Mr. Wiley walks in as Barbara Wiley and they open the door. And this is where Bruce makes his reference about, haven't you ever seen a man come out of the closet before? Which is definitely a reference to tabloid gossip at the time. Yeah. And they make that joke again later, you know, in another episode. In Maddie's turn to cry after they kiss on the trunk and they go to the woman's house. David, he says, go figure, a man coming out of the closet on this show. Yes, <laughs> to Gary Cole. So I think there was probably a lot of tabloids, either like Bruce is gay or they're fighting or they're together. They said all sorts of stuff back then. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So they start explaining to Barbara, who they think is Barbara, oh, my God, you're being framed by your husband. David loses his place and says the same thing, telling him that they're trying to frame you. And then the real Barbara walks in. Now, it's really good how Benjamin is standing there not knowing what to do. He's like, "Uh, what do I do? I can't talk. I can't. What am I going to do? So he's like silent for a little while until his wife walks in and he runs into the closet. But before I go into that, why would he come dressed like that to their hotel room? Right. Yeah. So before I get into that, I just want to say just the one thing about Bruce saying like, sorry, I lost my place. Fourth wall again, referring to the script. Yes. (laughs) Very good. And sometimes they do it in more overt ways, you know, but anyway, yes. Back to your point. Why is he showing up dressed as his, did he not think that she was going to be home? Who knows? You know, (laughs) sometimes, you know, things can't be explained, right? It's near the end of the episode. They got to wrap it up. They got to get the chase, cut to the chase basically. Right. Yeah. So now we're all on the same page. It was the husband the whole time. He's the one that went to blue moon. He's the one that was at Hollenbeck park throwing the gun in the water. He's the one that killed Harbin. So it's all come together in one scene. He takes off his, gets the gun. <laughs> how come he looks better than me? <laughs> yeah, how come he looks better than me? Yeah. So all four of them are standing there, all dressed the same, yeah. and that's when Benjamin Wiley decides to let it all out, explain everything that's happening. He had to kill him. I had to make yeah. out it was you. Um, I couldn't stand it anymore being married to a woman who wouldn't let me near her, and nobody's going to convict you because what happened to you he figured nobody would uh fault a woman for taking revenge on someone that did that did that 
did that to her. It's a really good revealing scene. It's mm-hmm. hilarious how they're all dressed the same and some look better than others. Yeah. And it's all been uncovered now. I like how they organise the exit of the characters from the room. So mm-hmm. Benjamin runs off with his gun. Then they yeah. look at each other. Bruce runs yeah. off. Then Maddie and Barbara look at each other and Maddie puts her veil down and runs off. And then yeah. Barbara looks and there's nobody there, so she runs off too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. And, okay, Grace, this is the crux of Moonlighting music contentions because as the story goes, Moonlighting cannot be on a streaming service because the music rights are too expensive. And this was an example of a scene that had one bit of music and then was changed to another bit of music later. Do you have a, a DVD that has the original music? No, mine doesn't have the William Tell Overture, but it, it does have it on the um, straight poop. Oh, on the straight poop, they use that. Okay. So when the show aired originally, was it the William Tell? Because they did change the music a little bit for the straight poop, because we yeah. already said in Brother King Bear Blonde, they changed it to Natural Woman. Yeah. So what I think is when it first went to air, yep, it would have had the original song, no problem. But once it went to DVD, there must have been an issue with copyright and some of the songs were kept and some weren't. Okay. Yeah, so this is uh, Moonlighting fans and Moonlighting discussion groups. This comes up a lot, the music, because we've been told this is the reason it can't be on Hulu or Netflix or Disney Plus or any of these streaming services because mm. it's too expensive. And, and we say, you guys have the money. Come on. Someone put the show on streaming because people want to watch it. And they're watching a crappy version on YouTube. So anyway, it's uh, Elf Clausen. This is what he came up with for this scene. Which is very similar to the William Tell Overture without actually using it. Right. Now, the funniest thing, Grace, is just too great with all these women, people dressed as women, running down the hall. Stop that man. (laughs) Stop that man. Everybody says, stop that man. Stop that man. Anyone else, you know, any bystander standing around be like, what man? There's all these women running around, you know? (laughs) So good. Oh, it's great. It was just so funny. Stop that man. And it's just it's just the most hilarious chase scene. It's got to be one of the best. Instead of having a car chase scene in this episode, they've just got yeah. women running down the corridor. It's just hilarious. Yeah. And what I did notice is once Benjamin gets to the door and he's trying to get into that stairwell, he shoots the gun yeah. in the air and they all roll backwards and Bruce yeah. falls down on top of them and he's got these big white undies on. <laughs> I saw that too. What the hell? I don't know. Why would they put white undies on him? <laughs> Maybe it was to hold up the tights or something, the nylons. I, <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. And, of course, and- they run through the kitchen of the ambassador and, of course, they run out of bullets. How many baddies in this show run out of bullets? They're always saying that too. That, that was six bullets. Yes, that's right. I mean, he didn't say it here, but, yeah, he probably shot six bullets. Now, did you notice a little goof in the kitchen, Grace? No. I noticed that Bruce, or David, picks up a lettuce, a head of lettuce to throw at Mr. Wiley. But when it hits the wall behind him, it's red. It's something that explodes. It's red, like a, a tomato or something like that. He throws a head of lettuce, but whatever hits the wall is orange or red. Oh, I didn't look that closely at that. I just noticed that today. Always noticing something new. Oh, every time I watch it, I notice something new. It's crazy. Yeah, so 
they finally get to the restaurant of the hotel and I always notice this waiter and there's four takes, obviously, because there's four women that come through the door. Yeah. The first time he falls down over the table, then yeah. the table doesn't fall. But the second time he falls down, the table falls. The third time the table happens to be up again and he falls yeah. over it. And then he does the fourth one and then everything goes crazy. Now, this mm-hmm. kid, his name is C. Thomas Howell. And it's very hard to recognize him, but he played Tyler in E.T. Yeah. In 1981, right. he played one of the bullies, the bullied Elliot. Okay, so let me tell you something about C. Thomas Howell. He was um, like a teen actor that did become kind of famous. But one of the reasons that he's on Moonlighting is because his dad, Chris Howell, was Bruce's stunt double. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is um, Chris Howell's son, C. Thomas Howell. So this is not the only time that he shows up in Moonlighting. You'll see him, you know, whenever they just needed someone to do a little pratfall, you know, a little bit part, Chris would have his son, you know, see Thomas Howell do it. So, yeah, you know, he's another guest that I would love to have on the podcast at some point because his dad worked on the show and he obviously was, you know, on set on multiple episodes playing little bit parts. So he's someone that I would love to reach out to. And like, I think it'd be fun to hear some stories, some memories of it that he might have, you know, and we'll see him on other episodes as well. I think it was yours very deadly. I think he was one of the post office employees. Was he? May have been. I know he was also in, okay, what, what's the episode where Curtis, okay, it's episode four because Maddie's not on it, um, or Maddie's in Chicago, when they're following the woman around and they end up at the mall in the dressing rooms and she says, like, stop following me and there's mannequins that they knock over. Yes, that's, um, that's come back little shiksa. Um, yeah. yeah, he's the one that falls over with the mannequins. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, he was on quite a few episodes of Moonlighting. Oh, he played it well. He played it well. So Falling cool. over and... <laughs> well, the funny thing too, you know, coming back to this scene, is that every time someone comes to the door and knocks him over, he keeps trying to serve. He keeps trying to, like, wait tables. And he keeps trying to, like, <laughs> give these people <laughs> service. And it's kind of ignoring. That's actually funny too. He's just ignoring that... Um, this mass of people, this rush of people coming through, causing chaos. Yeah, he keeps trying to serve, puts the plates back on the table and he keeps getting... <laughs> yeah, gets knocked over again and again and again. Yeah. So good. And then, my gosh, Grace, have you ever seen such bubbles when washing a floor? Now, what the hell is going on with um, the cleaner who's washing the floor of the hotel? What's going on? Yeah, what is going on with those bubbles? Ridiculous. These are obviously like just a bunch of stunt people running in and slipping and sliding and doing that whole slip and slide thing across the floor. And then right at the very end, they have uh, Bruce and Sybil sit up. And one of the other actors whisks a towel and hits Sybil in the face. You see that? Yes. And then she hits um, Bruce in the face. Yeah. So she hits Bruce. <laughs> and I think, I think she had fun doing that. Yeah. I think she wanted to do that. Yeah. I think she was wondering if he did that to her. I don't know. Anyway, it's a great line. Anybody want to play Twister? Yeah, exactly. Anyone want to play Twister? Wow. What a classic moonlighting chase scene. So unique. So silly. Stop that man. You know, (laughs) everything about it. No, honestly, every time I watch this scene, it's hilarious. I want it to go longer. It's so good. Yeah, I know. It does kind of end abruptly. Yeah. 
my sister used to watch the show with me, I think back in the day, but of course she's not as big a fan as me. But this is one episode that she always remembers, that she just thinks is so funny, you know, that this woman and the iron mask and yeah, this whole chase thing at the end, I and mean, think she always references the show. So it's one that sticks with viewers, whether you're like an avid fan or not. It's memorable, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so we're back at Blue Moon and they're both, very remorseful of the words they've said to each other and more Maddie because of what she said to him and they both try and write letters to each other. They both want to talk. They, I mean, they want to communicate somehow. Yes. And so first they walk to the door like they're going to go actually speak to each other. Then he calls Agnes in to write a letter and she sits down to write a letter. So they're figuring out like how they, they have something to say, but how, like, how are they going to say it to each other? So at first, like they're thinking about talking, then they're thinking about writing a letter because he goes to the door and then taps the knob. He thinks, no, nah, I'm not going to go in there. And then he goes and lies down on the couch. Mr. Besto! <laughs> and, and she does the same in her office because she goes to her door, stops and lays on her couch. Yes, they both do exactly the same thing. I just find it funny how Mr. Pesto shows up real quick. Well, she's probably anticipating. She knows mom and dad are fighting. One goof I noticed in this episode where the camera's behind Bruce and you see Agnes walk in, he's scratching his head. But then the next cut, you're looking at him and his hand's down. Oh, really? Yeah. So he starts dictating the letter and it's like, <laughs> these are the times that try men's souls. <laughs> and, of course, she's like, nah. And no. he goes, no, no. And that's another goof I noticed too, that when the camera's on Agnes and she goes, are you and mum having a fight? Maddie's door is open, but her door was closed when she was in her office. Yeah, that's true. It was a great way for her to come in and apologize. Are you going to leave us? And of course, he looks at his office, he looks at his desk. Maddie walks in and goes, Hope not. Yeah. And it was a real mum and dad moment. Why don't you go into my office and watch television? (laughs) I know. I love it. I love how they are playing up this. It's mum and dad and the employees are their kids and Agnes is their daughter and yeah go out go in my you know mom like dad and I need to talk go watch tv in my office it's really cute how Agnes reacts she's like I don't know I can't explain it but she's just so delicious she's so cute and she goes out into the main office and looks back at them and then walks off into Maddie's office it's so good and Maddie takes her arm kind of touches her arm in kind of a loving way and also they both look so beautiful here that these are often shots that I go to, you know, and use in the videos, you know, that I put to music when I use clips of moon landing and put it to music that I have on YouTube. I often use the shots of them here because they're both so beautiful. You know, Maddie standing in the doorway, David on the couch and a little kiss and all of that, you know, this whole moment is just really great. These are scenes that I've used a lot um, as clips, you know, that just tug at our heartstrings. Yeah. It's, it's a nice tender scene between the three of them. I really like when they include Agnes, the first clump of dirt. <laughs> and um, it's her way of apologising and I've never had a man put on a dress for me before. I never had a man put on a dress for me before. And you say you've been around. And you say you've been around. And um, she says the line, all the things I did and all the things I said. She uses that line other times as well when she's trying to apologise. The clump of dirt, again, is the promise of a lifetime. This is a lifetime commitment, not just for now. And I love it how they have these tender moments. We need more of those. I know. You know, we get a little kiss. I'm sorry, partner. I'm glad you're my partner. Glad you're my partner. 
partner. And I love how yeah. she's left him with lipstick on his cheek. And he looks shocked but happy. Yes. And it's a great way to end with the Bruce Willis smirk. Yeah, that's right. Bruce Willis smirk, a little dimple, a little pull to the side. And, you know, it's sometimes it's always David apologizing or Maddie just being mad. And, you know, this is a scene where Maddie kind of has to put her tail between her legs and say, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm glad you're my partner. You know, yeah, all the mean things that she said. You know what? He deserved that. All the mean things that she was saying in the office about, like, you really don't want me to be your partner and all that. You know? So I think he's very happy at the end. Yeah. Um, one thing I forgot to mention was another goof. When Agnes is trying to separate Mr. Lewis and Mr. Simmons. Yeah. And you've got the window in the background. Then there's another cut from the other side facing the entrance to Blue Moon. Okay. Now, when Maddie walks in, she shuts the door. When Agnes is trying to separate the two men, when the camera's on the other side, the door is open. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. And the outro music, I don't know if you noticed, but it was yeah. a different version. Yeah, I did notice it was different. I thought you might mention it. It's a raw version. It's not like, as we say, the radio edit version. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know their reasons behind changing the music, but anyway. It was fine. We love Al Jarreau, so we're not complaining. Yeah. but So what version was it? What were you saying? It was a... Well, it, it's not the original version that you hear on the radio. This was like a raw... Yeah. It sounded like a, a rehearsal version. It was different. Right. I don't know. I noticed it was different, but I don't, know, I don't know why they used that version all of a sudden. Mm. But yeah. So um, all in all, a wonderful episode of moonlighting i agree one of the classics yeah it is definitely one of the classics you're right it is unique the storyline the plot's unique even though it is it is based on a real life situation but the way it was portrayed the lighting the direction the locations it was just hilarious i absolutely love this episode yeah i think any moonlighting fan for any moonlighting fan this is a must see mm. But Grace, is it in your top 10? No, it is not in my top 10. No, it's not in my top 10 either. For me, it has a lot of great scenes. It is a classic Moonlighting episode, but it's a bit, I guess, silly for me or a little bit um, the slapsticky chase. For that reason, it wouldn't go in my top 10, I guess. I like it when um, the characters are, I guess, a little bit more further developed or something. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like reasons I wouldn't put it in my top 10. It just still seems a bit early for me. They're just still like, of course, you know, they came almost whole as whole people, but they developed further. And I guess I prefer them as further developed characters. Not so much. This is still early stages, you know? Yeah, it is early stages. It was a great, funny episode, but I don't think they're fully formed as yet, but they're very, very close. Yeah, they're close and we are on the cusp of them stepping into their full selves in a way. You and I are kind of on the same page with that. It's great. It's classic, but it's too early stages for it to be a top 10 of mine. It's now time for Moonlight Trivia. Are you ready for Moonlight Trivia? I am. So when Maddie arrives at work at the beginning of the episode, she walks past two female office workers to go into David's office. One of them is holding something. What is she holding? Hmm. Gosh. 
Now, when I was watching this scene when they were fighting and Agnes is trying to separate these guys, I'm like, where are all the women? Yeah, I only saw men. Yeah. Right. But you get a tiny snippet of them when Maddie walks into David's office, when the chair is in the way. Oh. Um, I would say a coffee mug. No. A case file. No. Think about what they knocked over. Uh, a pastry. Well, I think so. Well, what, what you can see is she's holding a red paper serviette with something on it. So, A red paper what? Serviette? Red, red paper serviette. What do you call them? I don't know what that is. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. a paper, you, mean a you know, plate? what do you call them when? A plate? No, serviette. It's a little. Let me look at it and what do you call them? Um, I got to see what a serviette is here. So funny. Isn't it funny? We've got different words for different things. Um, okay, let, hold on. Let me get to the part here. Where... It's only for a split second. Watching. One moment. Serviette, serviette. Oh, is it a napkin? Oh, a napkin. Yes. Oh, okay. A napkin. Yeah, a red a napkin. napkin. Oh, I see. Oh, so she's got like, a, well, she has a, a paper cut. And a napkin. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't see that. So, okay, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I wasn't right. Very good. Okay. Question. Very, very quick. You got to have a quick eye for that, Grace. (laughs) How long has Frank Harbert been on parole? (laughs) Oh, no. You know I don't know the answer to this one because I was like, he just got on parole. Um, Okay. I'm going to say six months. Correct. Ah, love it. Must be stored in my moonlighting brain somewhere, right? And do you know where they mention it? Um, was it when, gosh, they must have talked about the car or something. No, they mention it on the TV screen when they were looking through the window. Oh, okay. Oh, that's funny. All right. So Barbara Wiley didn't mention it. Um, he was paroled six months ago. Okay. I, rem- I kind of remember them saying that now. Yeah, that makes sense. What year was the earthquake that caused damage to the mission? What year was the earthquake that caused damage to the mission? 1984. 1906. 1906? <laughs> oh, my gosh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, and they're still getting funding to fix the thing. That place is pretty small to need 50 years of funding. Yeah, or 80 years. Right. Of- <laughs> funny. I have this one more great. question. I'm going to give you four. Yeah. Who discovered the body of Frank Harbert? Oh, um. They said a girl who worked at the mission. They said a young parishioner. So you got that one. Good girl. Okay. Thank you. Yes, I did hear that. A young parishioner discovered the body. Yeah. I really hope it wasn't the little girl. I know. Well, now I'm thinking it is because she's the only other one that we saw. Okay, Grace, are you ready for your trivia? I'm sitting down. In the very beginning, Barbara Wiley or Mr. Wiley's taking a shower. There is a towel on the outside of the shower. What color is the towel? <laughs> they show it twice. Oh, I think it's beige or cream. Okay. I put white, but you could be right. Could be more of an off-white. On that same note, what color is the shower head? Shauna, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> shower head. I think it's white. Is it? It's only a little shower head too. Yeah. Yeah, it was gold. Oh, it was gold. Okay. 
Okay, next question. At the mission, when Frank Harbett is giving his tour, he talks about the cross on the wall. What was the measurement of the cross on the wall? Eight feet. Yes, very good. All right, last one. Maddie and David take a taxi to Hollenbeck Park. When they open the door, there's the name of the taxi on the door. What was the name of the taxi? Yeah, I had a look at that and I couldn't read it. So I don't know the answer to that question. I remember the number. Was this five 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 zero 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 zero? Talk about fake. But anyway, no, I couldn't yeah, right. read it. I saw a logo on the car, but I couldn't see what it said. Okay. I thought it, it was hard to read for me at first, but then I thought it said rapid taxi. You could definitely see the R-A-P-I, and then I think there was a fancy D. Oh, I think okay. it, I think it was rapid taxi. Um, Good questions, Shauna. Yeah. And just a little bonus question, which I think you know the answer to. How much was it to get into the mission? And what was the fee for? Oh, um, it was $2. And it was, I think it was a restoration fund. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I figured you knew that one. That was fun. Okay, well, there's a fantastic review from Tony Sky, which says, thank you, ladies, for your dedication and hard work. I bought Scott Ryan's wonderful book in 721 and opened the Moonlighting Pandora's box. I found Grace and Shauna's charming podcast through his book and was reliving the summer of 1987 when I was 14 in ninth grade. I loved Moonlighting and still consider David Addison my fictional dream man. Well, top five up there with Mr. Big, Nick Charles, and Jack Duke from General Hospital, LOL. So much fun to hear others who notice the odds and ends of this beloved series. And I appreciate the dedication and hard work by the co-hosts of this delightful podcast. Keep up the good work, ladies. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Tony. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that's so nice. A Melly at 25 says, the goat of all TV shows. I own the DVDs, but it's not the same without the original music. Love the podcast, ladies. So yeah, the goat, the greatest of all time TV shows, I would agree. And there she is talking about the original music, you know. Thank you for those lovely reviews. Yes, and I agree completely. It is definitely the goat of all TV shows. So it's time for the summary of the episode. We have no door slams in this episode. Still no door slams. No, no Agnes Rhymes. Bruce whistled. He didn't sing. Uh, The goofs I've already spoken about. We had one set of Maddie feet out of the elevator. How many outfit changes did you count? By the way, her outfit at the end, the pink skirt, that's kind of a two-piece with a blazer, really cute outfit on her. Um, yeah, yeah. So I counted... How many did you um, count? I counted four costume changes. So at the beginning, she had her pink suit with a grey shirt. Then she had the cream striped suit. Yeah. Then she had the black dress. And then yeah. she had, I don't know if it's a skirt and top or if it's a dress with a pink jacket. Right. Yeah, that's right. So I had four, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I count as well, four. So far we have the pilot has the feet coming out, but they're not directly facing the elevator, but we do have them. So I'm not sure whether to count them or not. If we do, we've got two there, one in Brother Can You Spare a Blonde and one in Lady in the Iron Mask. So, so far we have four. Four, okay. All right. Yeah, I'd say you count the pilot. I would. So, Shauna, what episode are we going to be talking about next week? All right. Next week we'll be talking about Money Talks, Maddie Walks, which is episode three of season two. 
another great episode where Maddie decides she has to fly to Buenos Aires and we will find out why next week. And I can't believe that the week after that is starting the dream sequence. Can you believe that they go from Lady in the Iron Mask to Money Talks and Maddie Walks to the dream sequence? That's a big escalation. That's crazy. That's when we start to get to the developed characters. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.